0: Welcome into football and the F words. My name is Zach Lines. You can follow me on Twitter at F words pod. You can follow Mike Herndon at Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter. paulkarski.com, where he has a piece up today. Uh, I, did you happen to watch Robbie and Rexro this morning?
1: I did not actually. No.
0: Okay, so PK comes on and he starts complaining about people taking what J- Daniel Jeremiah said about the first <laughs> about trading up for the pick. And going overboard with it and making all this content and doing all this stuff. And Joe goes, "So let me get this straight. You want to sit here and complain about all this stuff, but you said there's an article out <laughs> about you talking about it, and then also says that he wrote a second article about it, which is just hilarious to me that uh, that that got brought up. But it's a great article. You detail. You look back at all the the trade ups and everything, and obviously the most." Famous one is one by Rand Carthon, but that's not his only one. And we'll talk about that on today's show. We're going to talk about that big Jeff extension video, what it means, why you shouldn't panic, and just be fucking patient. It was so bizarre. Uh, We're also going to use (laughs) – we're going back to the well to talk about Trevon Wesco versus Jeff Swain. And we are big Wesco supporters, but the contract numbers came out for Trevon Wesco, and it just shines a really bright – Like, one of those prison spotlights that are so bright that that it follows the criminal around when they're trying to leave, you know, on on cartoons and stuff. On just how different these two regimes of Rand Carthon versus John Robinson are and how they navigate free agency. We're going to talk about that. We have a new segment that we're going to introduce. I'll drink to that. It's going to be sponsored by Bluegrass Beverages, obviously our sponsor we are going to be talking about a preferred titans trade scenarios or draft scenarios and i i've done like a complete i can't i can't make up my mind and yeah i'm struggling sure <laughs> with it so i last week i'm like oh i don't think i want to draft richardson and i'm a little skeptical now i'm kind of like oh, uh maybe i'm a little bit the other way so all kinds of different things that we're gonna be talking about but of course i mentioned it earlier blue ga- Bluegrass beverages been around since the 70s that's longer than me and mike have been alive over in hendersonville tennessee go and get some local go support a local business go get you some alcohol now listen no drinking and driving okay and you have to be of age and they'll make sure you're of age because they're gonna check your id but go get you some alcohol it's the weekend's coming around the corner it's hump day we're in the midpoint day midpoint of the work week You're probably outside. It's nice outside. You probably needed your alcohol on Monday because Mondays just always suck. I mean, Mondays are just the worst day ever. But go to Bluegrass, join the in crowd. Make sure you're tuning into a football show and football and other F words because there's going to be some contests coming your way. So make sure to turn on those notifications. Mike, Big Jeff's agent put out the most (sighs) bizarre. Fucking video that I have really, it's one of the, it's, it's by far the weirdest video I've ever seen. I think associated with the NFL from a business standpoint. Like he thought this was going to do something. And for the most part, like fans didn't really know what it meant. Like I saw a lot of fans say, oh, it's going back. It's like Inception, right? Everybody's picking it apart or something. And yeah. it, is the dress blue or is it green? But at the end of the day, He's obviously saying the clocks sticking to the Titans. The Titans aren't on social media like <laughs> let's get let's get real. What does this guy do? What was your first instinct of this? I mean at first, I was like, oh, are they
1: like are they trying to announce something like you know a lot of people took it as like, oh, the extension is in the works, or they're about to announce the extension and, and like it just created a ton of confusion. I'm not really <laughs> sure um why it was put out because like. There are much better ways to kind of put pressure on the Titans than to put out a Twitter video. I I mean, I just, yeah, I don't understand it all.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty. And I
1: ultimately think it's meaningless. I I don't think it means shit.
0: Right. And like, I don't, I don't get the point of it from a strategy point of view from anything. I mean, we're talking about a guy. That basically just put the world on notice that he has no fucking clue (laughs) Uh, 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 what an agent is really supposed to do. He's only been around as an NFLPA certified agent since 2019 and has successfully negotiated zero contracts, according to NFLPA.com. And this is the first big one. And apparently, I think he's a family friend or he knows somebody. And then... He's his other guys are some offensive linemen that I have never even heard of. And then Jarae Jenkins from LSU. It's not, it's like Jeff Simmons and then everybody else. And if I'm Jeff Simmons, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking well, it's a good thing. He's not on Twitter, right? Cause then he could have seen this ridiculous video. Maybe oh, yeah. why he was told to delete Twitter. <laughs> Maybe. So Maybe see himself get embarrassed. Um, at least by association. Um, so, I, I guess
1: it may, the only thing I can think is maybe the agent just wanted to get his name out there a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. That's really all it did.
0: But is that really, I mean, I know that's like not the, we're way, in the age of TikTok and stuff, yeah. but it's like, is anybody looking at this thinking, man, he's going to really get the Titans over at the barrel with yeah, this video. Correct. Like, and, and I guess there was also the, I think he knows who made the video and maybe it was for them to show them. But like, it just didn't make sense. It led people to talk about, of course, oh, does this mean he is signing or whence he's signing? This means clock's ticking da blah, blah, blah blah. First off, S- Jeffrey Simmons is under contract. they the, he the Titans have the leverage in this situation yeah. because right now he's only guaranteed what, like ten point nine or ten point five million dollars. And then once you start getting fines, that's going to slowly dwindle down and fines happen because he is specifically under contract. So, this led me to believe over at stackingtheinbox.com uh, to do a little bit of research about Rand Carthon, who's director of player personnel for the San Francisco 49ers. I didn't really feel like going back to the Rams when he was director of player personnel or pro personnel. I was just a little lazy, had a lot on my plate this morning. So I just did San Francisco. So they've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve extensions from twenty seventeen through twenty twenty-two season. Now D. Ford, Jimmy Ward, and Eric Armstead. So three of the twelve were kind of like Harold Landry extensions. They they went right up to the free agency deadline. So those kind of don't count. Then the Jimmy Garoppolo they did the extension when they traded for him in February. So that leaves like Daniel Kilgore, and then in February who did a three-year, eleven million dollar deal. And then everybody else was in June and July. And in fact, Drake Greenlaw got extended in September of last year. So all the big ones were from June, July, August, September. And specifically about this is that we know that Rand Cartham, first off, is involved in these negotiations, involved in all these decisions because that was his job title. But I get to bring back my favorite name, Parag Marathi, and his involvement in negotiations. And this is where Rand Cartham has learned everything. All this to say, it's not John Robinson thing to sign your free agents in July. It's almost like an NFL thing
1: yeah i think it is kind of an nfl thing but i I do think it's like it makes sense to do it in that time frame and we've talked about it on the show before of like it's a good kind of carrot to give the guys at the beginning of training camp and stuff like that as an example of you know hey you do everything right like big jeff you get a big payday you know and and it's just kind of to put it out there and and let, let the guys celebrate with their teammates too i think there's a lot of like advantages to that no like is that worth like holding up contract negotiations for? No, um, but I think that's part of why some of that stuff generally gets done around that time. The, they're actually in the building together at that time. There's a lot more conversations that can be had. It can kind of accelerate the process versus doing everything remotely or uh, over the phone or whatever. So uh, yeah, I I don't think everyone should just be waiting every single day logging onto Twitter hoping to see that Jeff, Big Jeff got his extension. I, I think it's a decent chance it's going to be a two or three month thing.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if it it got done before the draft, I would be totally surprised. And if it really got done before June or July, whenever the mandatory stuff starts, I would be very surprised because we've just seen it so many times before, not just here in Tennessee, but everywhere across the NFL. This is just how business is done in the NFL. Speaking of business being done in the NFL, there has been no greater... I think spotlight shining moment on the difference of the approach that Ren Carthon is making in free agency and um, John Robinson is making, then the contract numbers for Trevon Wesco, who hit the deals out and he signed a one year, $1.233 million deal with 152.5 K signing bonus. Now, the reason I bring this up is because just last year, in fact, the last Two years, Jeff Swayne's been paid more. He was paid uh $2.5 million in the 2021 season on a one-year deal. And last year he was paid $3.5 million. Utterly ridiculous. Like when I told you how much he got paid, or you you pulled it up, you were just shocked. You were thinking it was more, but it's like yeah. bare minimum. And this is a this is the sign I think that everybody needs to take into account that. Things are going to be a little bit better free agency wise. I know it hasn't been exciting, but I think long-term everything's going to be a little bit better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's all been sensible deals and short-term deals and not a lot of risk uh, on the Titan side of the table. So I think you got to like that. I mean, like you said, it's not been exciting, but I mean, frankly, the teams that are most exciting in free agency are usually the losers that are paying someone else's, you know, fifth best offensive linemen like they're the first off you know the best offensive lineman on their team because a lot of times they are. Um but I think it's uh I think it's been good deals. Um and look, let's go for a million dollars basically is a steal. I mean like this guy's actually good at what he does and I, I know people would get so mad. They get so mad when they look at a tight end stats and they just don't see many catches. Look I don't You wouldn't
0: believe how many people hate just Darnell Washington because he's they, I literally had someone tell me this week, Darnell Washington is not athletic. What?
1: <laughs> He's extraordinarily athletic for a guy that goes 6'7", 270 or 280 or whatever the hell he is.
0: Yeah, uh, this is ridiculous. This is crazy.
1: But, yeah, I mean, I of I, I people just literally want to build the entire team out of, like, 240-pound uh, tight ends who can't block their way out of a wet paper sack and, and still are going to expect the team to be able to, like, run the ball well and uh, hold up and pass protection on these play action shot plays where you do have to leave tight ends in to block and things like that. Like th- there's a role for him. And, and like everyone gets mad about, I've just had like an axe to grind on this whole thing for a, for a whole week now, even since the signing, um, the, the whole, well, there's just another guy to put on the field in that swaying role. That's going to tell everyone whether we're running and passing every single team in the NFL has a guy that if you look at his splits, run versus pass, it'll skew wildly one way or another. And that's because there are specialist players. There are guys that are put on the field for special roles. Um, And look, Wesco is going to be a first and second down only tight end. He is not going to be on the field for third downs unless it's third and short, like a yard or less. Um, And Wesco is going to help this team. He's going to help this team in a lot of ways. And sure, maybe they will run the ball 60% of the time when he's in the game. That's fine. It doesn't, and then also, it doesn't mean just because he's not a good pass catcher or, or a productive pass catcher, doesn't mean that teams just don't cover him, right? Like if you if you a team just says, okay, well, we're not gonna cover him. We're gonna use it, this extra guy to cover, you know, Traylon Burks or whoever. Then throw the ball to Wesco. It's not like he can't catch. It's not like he's if he's wide open, there's no one within five yards of him. Throw him the ball every play. I don't give a shit if he's good at. It. It's not like. It's not like he's he's got like greased up hands with two fingers on each hand or something like that. He's not going to catch the ball. Okay, he's, he can catch the ball and run if he's wide open. So they are not teams are not just going to leave him wide open.
0: Here you go. I'm going to help you make your argument for you, okay, about this pass blocking, about the or telegraphing what teams can do and everything. Okay, this is yeah. going to help you. Okay, so remember, Jeff Swain played a total of 703 snaps. Hold on, let's let's take off special teams here played a total of 578 snaps, okay? So that is Jeff Swain. Let's go to Kansas City's offense. Kansas City had Noah Gray, who spent, who had uh, 714 total snaps played. Noah Gray, not someone that you really associate with anything other than oh, he's on the Kansas City Chiefs, made a few plays. 315 of those were for run blocking. Like, Teams have guys that specifically run block. And Noah Gray, listen, he had 336 receiving yards and one touchdown. Like, yeah. it, it's okay to have a guy that's going to have really low yardage total, play a lot of snaps. He played the second most snaps out of tight end and a guy that can block.
1: Like, you, can't, you cannot build an NFL wide receiver room, especially not if you're going to run the ball like the Titans do. You cannot build an NFL wide receiver room out of, like, Mike Gesicki and, uh, you know, Evan Ingram and whoever else, like, uh, you want to use, as, or, you know, Irv Smith or whoever. Like, guys that are, like, 240 pounds and cannot block. You cannot have just all those guys in the room because you will never be able to block anyone. Like, you will never be able to run the football because your tight ends are just going to be overwhelmed on every play. So, having a guy like Wesco serves a purpose. He can play his role. He doesn't have to be a star. He doesn't have to to do a ton. He just has to go block, go be an extra offensive lineman who can occasionally catch a pass if a team does leave him wide open. So look, Wesco is a good addition because he's good at the role that he plays. And you have to have role players on a team because you can't have 53 superstars. That's just not the way it works. Okay, So um, let's, let's all just be happy that they found a version of Jeff Swain that's actually good at being what Jeff Swain was supposed to be good at doing which he was not good at. Doing. Yeah. And for way cheaper for a third of the price,
0: <laughs> a third of the price. That's ridiculous. It's just, I, at this point, Jeff Swaim had to have something over on John Robinson, right? Like it, I mean, you're talking about a guy that got paid $6 million, 6.9. If you include the first year he was on the Titans, but 6.9 million do, or, um, five point. Wait a minute. No, yeah. Six point. I was right. The first time, $6.9 million total by the Tennessee Titans over three years for really nothing special. Like, that's the thing. And now you're getting a guy for really so cheap that it just shines a light on, you know, what the Tennessee Titans have done in the past versus where they're going in the future. And it's smart to leave yourselves out as a team on certain contracts, even though these guys are, you want these guys to do well. I mean, not not everybody's guaranteed to do well. Not every first-round draft pick, is guaranteed to be a hit, right? Like, I mean, nobody knows that more than the Tennessee Titans fan. So well, that's,
1: that's true. It's the same thing for Good free teams agents and bad teams, by the way, right? Yeah. Like, if you go look at the Chiefs, less you first round picks, you know, you've got Clyde Edwards hilaire in there who can't even beat out Jarek McKinnon and, you know, all these other running backs that are signing off the street, basically. You know, Isaiah Pacheco comes in and steals the job. Um, you know, there are some misses for every team in the first round. Yeah. It's not a it's not a one hundred percent hit rate. We and this is one of my pet peeves. We hype all these guys up in the draft, and and rightfully so. Like I mean, they've earned the opportunity to to be talked about and everything like that. But about half of these guys that we're all saying are like, man, this guy's a great prospect and everything. They're going to be terrible NFL players. Like half of them are. So we just have to prepare ourselves for that eventuality right now.
0: Yeah, it's it's all about mitigating the. The risk associated with the draft pick, right? Like, yeah. okay, so Caleb Farley didn't work out, even though it is year three and it's a and it, he wears number three. And this is the year of Caleb Farley. I'm, this I'm determined. Caleb to, Farley, come back his, here. It's Caleb Farley's comeback here. But at the end of the day, it was what, like the pick twenty nine or something like that. I mean, like Farley, w- yeah, wasn't he even like twenty eight, twenty two? Yeah, well, he's in the twenties. Those all twenties are all the same, like. Isaiah Wilson, he was really late. Now the clean. Isaiah Wilson pr- is a bigger issue because all you've done is try to overcorrect that mistake. The Caleb Farley one's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it was the right choice at the time, but eh. it didn't work out. It was, you know,
1: it was an understandable choice, right? Like yeah. it, it was like, okay, you're getting a guy that's like a top ten pick if he was healthy for at pick twenty two. You know, so you get a little bit of a discount.
0: Also, they need to hire better, better uh, medical staff. I'm pretty convinced, especially after the Saints have discovered so many injuries and illnesses with other players. I think the Dines need to step it up because one of the ones the Saints have uh, diagnosed was Will Compton at one point. So, I don't know. Yeah. Medical staff, I think it needs to be a little retooled. The we'll doctors look at these x-rays. Bit. Yeah. All right. News segment alert. Bluegrass Beverages is our sponsor. Hendersonville, Tennessee. They have a sister store in East Nashville or brother store. I don't know which one they call the sinkers calls bluegrass, a sister, but bluegrass is first. So I don't understand how that all works, but they have a family. They have another business over there in East Nashville. It's been around since the eighties. Bluegrass has been around since the seventies. They're, they're the older brother, I guess, or older sister. Either way, go to, if you're in Hendersonville, which is a lovely little town that is just growing like crazy. If you're trying to go to the uh, the new, uh, I think it's Texas Roadhouse that's over there. Yeah, oh. don't, it's the first off, it's like as big as a Walmart. It is massive. Secondly, it is always packed. It is insane how packed it is. But if you're, if you go in there, afterwards, go get you a little wine, take home, have a little dessert, have a little wine, maybe some whiskey, bluegrass beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Join the in crowd, get all kinds of perks and everything. So with new segment, we're calling it. I'll drink to that. And I got me a little whiskey. It's a little uh rye whiskey here. And I'm actually drinking it out of a a uh a glass that has a quote from Abraham Lincoln I'd like to share with you guys. Oh. Tell me what brand of whiskey that Grant drinks. I would like to send a barrel of it to my other generals. Abraham Lincoln. So, Thanks. I'll drink to that, but first we're also going to tell everybody something positive either whether it's football-related, non-football-related, but something positive that's happened over the week. And, uh, Mike, I'll let you go first.
1: All right. So uh, I'm going to go with my something positive just being the young people that are getting out and, like, becoming involved in the political process and and regardless of where your politics
0: are you just told everybody uh, basically half our listeners just turned off the
1: podcast no i think people young people need to be involved in the political process and and understand that they are going to have to be the ones that fix this right because we have failed as a generation and and i mean maybe not our generation but certainly the generation's uh, before us, never, never really took any action, and still are not taking any, any action. So, at some point, somebody's going to have to fix this, and I hope it's our generation. But if it's not, it better be the, this this younger generation who's unfortunately grown up with way too many tragedies uh, in their life. So, while that may be like a somber overall tone, I'm happy that
0: you <laughs> really that, it really ended at the end.
1: <laughs> that I'm happy that young people are becoming involved in the political process and using their voice to to try to enact positive
0: change for all world so well i'll drink to that see i'll drink to that segment will work all right my i'll drink to that my positive thing is john morant has overcome all of his mental obstacles and mental issues or emotional issues that was happening in the middle of the season and he's back baby and he's coming back right at the right time in playoffs. I got my Grind City shirt on, Memphis Grizzlies shirt. Had one on last or Memphis Tigers last week, but you know, props to him, he overcame the or weathered the storm, and he's coming back. And listen, this Grizzlies team, just like last year, is fun to watch. And I have no clue whether they're going to be put out in the first round or win the championship. But I know those are the only two things that can really happen for this team because they are just in people's heads and i think the longer the series goes the more in favor it is in memphis or the memphis grizzlies so i'm all in this is to john moran i'll drink that
1: I'll drink to that as, as a Dallas Mavericks fan that's mourning the loss of that season. I'll uh, I'll, I'll join in on the gristle. what happened? Oh, yeah.
0: Who would have thought the flat Earth diva uh, would derail your entire season?
1: Uh, it's not even his fault. It's not even Kyrie's fault at all. It's the fact that we don't play any defense at all, and uh, Jason Kidd sucks as a coach, which we should have known. Um, and yeah, it's it's not even Kyrie's fault. I think Kyrie's been okay. Hey, but I'll Jason drink to that.
0: It sucks as a coach. I'll drink to that. All right. Now, listen, if you're listening to this in the car, please do not drink and drive. No. Let's get into the bulk, the meat of the topic for today. And we are going to be talking about the preferred trade scenarios. And I laid out four with you. Now, you don't have to put these four in your order or anything. You can add more, whatever. I have, like, four preferred scenarios. And last week, I was was such a coward in my thought process regarding Anthony Richardson, just a coward. And look, I already got Bama Brad 1970. Don't like the politics of basketball. <laughs> oh, the, my God, we wasted five. We wasted away like three minutes of your life. Like, calm down, Bama Brad. I'm a Bama fan and you're giving us a bad name. Look at this. Nick Saban signed a uh, football down in my corner. Calm down. <laughs> Bama Brad 1970. All right. Okay. Sorry, comment, comments are popping up. So I just had to say something. So, my I was a coward last week about the NFL draft and about Anthony Richardson. And I get to a point um, where throughout the week, tweets pop up, right? And then you, you get context of certain stats and then you look at stuff, and then it causes you, it causes me at least to go back and watch film in a totally different light than I'm looking at stats. And I'm all in, baby. I'm all in. Number one overall preferred scenario for me is trade up for anybody but Will (laughs) Levis. If it's Anthony Richardson, I'm okay. If it's CJ Stroud, I'm okay. If it's Bryce Young, I'm jubilant and fucking going crazy and gonna be like drunk for three days off bluegrass beverages. So, what is your, what do you think about that scenario? Where does that rank? Um, it's, it's,
1: I would probably draw the line at young and Stroud. Uh, I don't w- necessarily want them to trade up for Richardson. Um, while I do think, Are I you do
0: like, w- weren't you kind of like pro Richardson more than I, I was last week? So we flipped. Well, we'll I will never I be am, on the same page on this.
1: I am still pro Richardson. I, I like him as a prospect. I like him a lot more than I like Will Levis. Right. Um, but cause the upside is, is like, otherworldly like the, the potential of him getting some of his mechanics stuff fixed and and you know just getting more comfortable as a uh, as a quarterback playing at a high level i think there is the the upside that he hits and hits big because he's a tremendous athlete he's got a rocket arm he's got everything that Josh Allen had coming out of Wyoming um but even more juice like he is like an even more athletic Josh Allen um as far as prospects coming out, not what Josh Allen is today, what they were as prospects. So I love the upside. I do think he's super risky and, and to trade up to number three. And as I wrote about for Paul um, is it's it going to be expensive. I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, if you don't include uh, if, or if you don't want to include a, a future first, you're going to have to basically trade away the, or you're going to have to trade away some sort of future asset. Um, but you're, you're gonna to have to move probably your either your second or your third round pick and then a 2024 first and then plus something else plus eleven to get into that third spot. Wouldn't um, you
0: just rather just trade away three first round picks? Maybe. I mean that that I mean, is a how I am, right? Or trade yeah. away a player with it as long as it's not Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, like I kinda and lessen the the draft pick capital. <laughs>
1: Here's here's my one issue with doing three first round picks, especially if you're trading up for Richardson. I don't think that that Richardson's going to be like really good right away. So I think you're if you're planning on starting him in 2023, you're probably going to be a drafting pretty high and you're probably going to end up giving away like a top five to 10 pick um, in that in that range somewhere. If you're starting Richardson, because I think he's going to take his lumps early. I think that he can get there just like Josh Allen did. It took a little while, but he got there. I think he could get there, but I think you're going to take your lumps early. So I, I think it maybe depends a little bit, but if it's Young or Stroud, I'm all the way in. Let's go get him. Let's do what it takes to to get the quarterback of the future in the boat. But I do think uh, that is an attractive scenario for me. I just I I can't I can't quite get there with a trade all the way up to three for Richardson. Maybe okay. like a smaller deal, or if well, he falls me, to eleven, I'm totally let me, in.
0: Let me help you. I right. mean, let me see. Well, let me see if I can help you. So I put out a poll, and I don't know if you were in the chat when I gave out the answer to Wes last night, but I put out a poll about QB1, QB2, and they were very similar in stats. And Because it had me thinking. A couple days when I put out this poll, I just had this spark in my head. Is Anthony Richardson, who is the consistent quarterback three in this draft, is he better than the quarterback three in 2024? Okay? And I, in my opinion, I would think that it probably Quinn Ewers U- ends up being that. So Quinn Oops. is, yeah, whatever his last name is. It's a fucking <laughs> stupid last name. Qu- Quinn Emu over there. Um, he is probably the consensus quarterback three, even though he's not like that right now. But I would say probably best bet. They have very similar stats. So you're just getting Quinn a year earlier, but you're going to be integrating him into an NFL offense. So let me ask you this. Would you rather have Anthony Richardson now or Quinn next year? I'm going to
1: try to remove my bias from this. Yeah, a, remove the Texas bias. Um, I think it's a valid question because, look, they're very different style quarterbacks, right? Because Richardson is, uh, I mean, huge, unbelievable athlete, Um, you know, huge arm, all that stuff. Ewers has a good arm. Like he he's got, uh, I would say a plus arm as far as arm strength, but his real power, the real thing that makes him special is his accuracy and ability to put touch on the ball. Um, now there was times last year that that didn't necessarily shine through because he was, Yeah, cause the they game. were, I was
0: very surprised that Quinn's completion percentage was very close to what Anthony Richardson's was. It,
1: there's some context to that, that a, not, a lot of people that don't closely follow Texas don't know because it wasn't put out there very publicly. So one, his wide receiver one, Xavier Worthy, and, and by far his best wide receiver on the team last year was playing with a broken hand for most of the back half of the season. Um, two, and there were a lot, a lot of drops that he had that are associated with that. Two, Ewers, I believe, had a, a finger injury that was, came with like his finger getting slammed in a car door and his fingernail ended up falling off. Uh, on his throwing hand during the like leading up to the week that they played Oklahoma State and he had this crazy game I mean for a guy that looked surgical against Alabama and Oklahoma and all these other teams uh, leading up to that game against Oklahoma State he went like 16 of 41 or something like that in that game and just couldn't hit the broadside of the barn and we were all going like what the hell is happening with him because he was missing easy throws and then it turns out that there's some sort of injury that was associated so with So what hand
0: you're over. kind of exposing here is that he's an idiot and a wuss because first off he doesn't know how to keep his hands clear of car doors. And B, he can't just a little he lost a fingernail and he suddenly can't throw the fucking football anymore. Well, on,
1: on your throwing hand. On your throwing hand. That that oh, is tough. okay. That is stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean I think it's uh I think there's some context with the completion percentage stuff, because I do think he is an accurate thrower when his, you know, mechanics are right and, and he's, you know, healthy and he's got, you know, receivers that can catch the ball. Um, so I think you will see Ewers have a much better statistical season this year than what we saw at Richardson. And I do wonder, you know, because Richardson had the 20, what was it? 2021 season where he was kind of like, Split in time with just that there. other quarterback, uh, what was his name? I can't even
0: remember. Oh, Emory his Hunt, right? Emory, was less, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, yeah, was it was Emory it was less, something? Right? Em- or no, Kyle Trask. Something.
1: No, it was something Emory. Emory. It was either oh, Emory something yeah. or something Emory. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Emory. Um, What a horrible name, by the way. Don't name your kids Emory. Yeah. Um, stupid name. So, but he was kind of splitting time
1: with with Emory, and if you look at like the games played, I think Ewers and him probably played about the same amount of snaps. Uh, like his twenty Ewers is twenty twenty two versus Richardson's twenty twenty one because Ewers missed that time with the shoulder injury, and then and I think that's that's also something like Ewers has had his fair share of injuries, like even going back to high school now. Um, mm. I think that'll ding his stock a little bit. So. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a Man, very tough like a question. John
0: Robinson special right Emory,
1: there. Emory Jones. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. That's
0: right. Uh, so uh, like, isn't that the proper way to contextualize? It, I feel like Anthony Richardson is like, because yeah. if, okay, if you don't draft Anthony Richardson and you run it back with Taniel Henry and obviously a better offensive core, then you are basically going to play yourself out of even further uh, to get quarterback one or two. Because right now you're in the hunt technically for quarterback one and two. Because if you go to three and the Texans do something stupid, you could technically get quarterback two, right? Uh,
1: or or just if you're one of your quarterbacks, I think the way that the... Yeah, the it, it may be Anthony Richardson's stacked, number
0: one, right? Like, Right.
1: It, it, I think teams are going to have these guys stacked very differently. I know like pretty much everyone consensus-wise, as far as like fans and media seem to go, Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis, I think it's going to be all jumbled between those top four. I think other, teams' boards are going to have different guys on top, and I think there's a very real possibility that you could end up with your... You know, quarterback one or quarterback two at, right. at number three in this year's class because there's not a Trevor Lawrence type prospect this year that is like very clearly the top dog. Uh, yeah,
0: because very likely you'll 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 be out of that next year. I mean, like you'll be out of that without having yeah. to give up probably more to get a Drake mayer Caleb Williams, which are the consensus one and two. You may be yeah. able to get a Bryce Young CJ Strouds three, but yeah, you have to
1: you be comfortable probably... with an
0: Anthony Richardson as well. Like, I mean, that's the thing. So. And I feel like that's the proper way to kind of contextualize if you are looking for the quarterback of the future and you have enough conviction. Like if it's Bryce Young at the very top, just for an example, C.J. Stroud, and then like at number two, and then like Anthony Richardson is like 2B to Mm. C.J. Stroud, and then Will Levis is like 20. And obviously... You would go, you would think that, okay, well, if you're that team, you would think that I can be okay with CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson because I have them higher than I do the quarterbacks next year. And the outlook on my team is very positive for next year. I want to get into, though, a little bit of discussion that's been floating around. And Kenneth Kroll put it up before you had to leave around this n- narrative out there that. Hooker should be taken over Richardson and Hooker is the better prospect. And I've come around on this as well, because last week I said, okay, well, he's pretty a safe guy, right? Like he's very safe. I believe in him, but the 25 year olds that have been, because I thought he had a very high floor. Yes. I don't know if his floor is as high as what we want to give him credit for based on age injury and the, and the scheme he's coming from. but, Kenneth Crawl brings up, he says, I got to log off, but people are for, but for people saying hooker over Richardson, that's lunacy. Just think about if Richardson was in uh, Coach Josh's offense. I like to call him Coach Josh. Past offense Josh. Uh, last year and hooker was in Florida. Like, come on, man. And this ties into what Nate Tice has been talking or Nate Tice has been talking about on Twitter and he's been talking about how completion percentages and heat maps, heat maps tell the story as a great example of how every quarterback's completion percentage is built different. And then it it leads into this big long thing, but essentially people are agreeing of, I guess, intellectual analytical minds, which is very important. If you're going to be the Tennessee Titans going forward and you are pro analytics, you actually have to listen to pay attention to the analytics, right? And for specifically Anthony Richardson, it's hard to have a consistently great completion percentage when it's a go big or go home offense without elite surrounding talent. And Florida apparently rarely, we're talking like really super rare, bottom of the barrel, quarterback prospects rate of attempts from 1 to 10 air yards. So this is like, your RPOs, your screens, your uh, quick game passing, bottom of all the prospects by a wide margin. So, this is a Florida offense that is pro style, what it asks his quarterback to do in pre snap, but it is like chuck it and fuck it. Uh, <laughs> um, the rest of, once the ball snapped, and that is has hurt, I feel like Anthony Richardson's completion percentage. So, completion percentage is another thing that people have been talking about. But all this to say, it's like, when you look at his stats and you look at just from a pure perspective, eight completions in one game, 240 yards out of eight completions. That is ridiculous. And I know there's only 10 attempts tied to that, but let's take that into context. He's threw the ball 10 times and still threw for 240 yards and two touchdowns. And I know everybody wants to shit on the Florida State game. Nine, all he did was complete nine completions. Now remember, the context of what I just talked about is how the offenses ran. Nine completions for 198 yards. And three touchdowns. Out of nine, this kid is something special. And I really feel like that—that that is what is going like, to take it into account when I went back and looked the film after I read that Nate Tice thread, going back and looking at the film, the decisions that he made when he threw short make sense and they were really good. He just wasn't asked to do that because that's really not Florida kind of knew going in. This was kind of like a a transition year. They knew Anthony Richardson was likely going to enter the NFL draft. They just we're kind of in like, I feel like in neutral the whole way. And I just kind of look at it and I go, man, they kind of really did him a disservice. The talent is just so there. And if he and I still think he should have gone back for one more year, and we'd be talking about Anthony Richardson, consistent number one quarterback next year with Drake May. I like I would and him and Caleb Williams would all be fighting it out. Cause I think another year in an offense would have done him some good. And that's why he's inexperienced, not Roller Project.
1: And and I think one other point to kind of go along with your Richardson, um, thing there because it, it is true. Like, completion percentage is a useful stat, but it can certainly be skewed by what kind of throws you're asked to make. Like, you know, a screen merchant is going to have a much inflated completion percentage, even if he's not a more accurate thrower of the football versus a and guy. It, who's and it leads it out, to right? wide
0: receivers too, right? Like, if you look at the yes. reception percentage or contested ca- catch percentage with Quentin Johnston. A lot of that is just Max Duggan sucking.
1: <laughs> well, and, and I also think – I think it's it's kind of correlated both ways, right? Because, right. uh, you know, Timo Riesk uh, had a good tweet um, from PFF earlier this week regarding Tua, but I think it applies to Richardson too. The Florida receivers were terrible last year, um, absolutely awful, drops all over the place. Um, but even if you're not talking about specifically drops, there are problems – like there are – Correlations to how good your receivers are to how com- accurate you appear to be as a passer. Um, you know, Tua's accuracy on throws 10 plus yards downfield by year. So when he was at Alabama, 51.5%. That was when he was throwing to, you know, Waddle and Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs and, uh, you know, all these other just studs out there, right? Um, then he goes to, to the pros in Miami, had nobody his for, his yeah, it was first like year. Preston
0: Williams who was only yes, playing like a and, couple and of Devontae
1: games Parker and like I mean nobody they he had no help it drops from 51.5% to 33.8%. Then they go get Waddle which helps a little bit brings him up to 39.8% the next year and then in 2022 they add Tyreek Hill and he's back up at 51.5%. And, so, and they do
0: the same thing with uh Joe Burrow going from LSU over then one year and then Jamar Chase.
1: That's right. Yeah, exactly. So I think Richardson has been hurt by a bad supporting cast. And you can probably say the same about like Stroud being helped by a strong supporting cast. Because Stroud has basically played with four first that, round wide receivers that's the last time. Kind of like
0: what I feel like, because right, the S2, we know the rumors are circulating. Uh while we can't give out scores or anything because that violates stuff. We know that CJ Stroud has not tested as high as his contemporaries in this other class. Um, That's what I heard from someone else not associated with S2 project through like a little bit of back channeling and stuff, which makes you wonder how much of his reaction and accuracy and everything is because of the talent around him. And if you get a guy like CJ Stroud, which I still would take the risk for CJ Stroud this year, if you don't build around him quick enough, how, how much, because like Justin Fields is a good example. If you don't build around Justin Fields quick enough, how are you going to be able to do that with CJ Stroud? And luckily the Titans have 150 million, whatever, in cap space next year, which is crazy. But which,
1: which all goes back to remember what Ryan Tannehill looked like when, yes. when he had AJ Brown and Corey Davis, maybe the Titans should just take Jackson Smith and Jigbet 11 and move on.
0: Well, that's a good, that's a good transition because that's my number two. So what, where that was is. the trade up for you? It
1: was number one. If they can get okay. their quarterback in the future, it's number one for me. Hey,
0: okay, so Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, uh, once again, I, at one point was like, man, I don't know if the value is there and all this stuff. Well, stacking com, I've compiled all kinds of freaking data because apparently I'm just a data addict and nerd at this point. And I look at his season last year because you know I had to give him a good full season to compare him to the other wide receivers, right? I mean, using last year's stats I ain't going to give anybody any clear information. So I used the prior year season. Holy crap, is this guy ridiculous? He's so fucking good. And not only is the, is he good by the data, he's good by here are the people who've said that Jackson Smith Njigba is better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olavi, Brian Hartline, CJ Stroud, And not only that, I believe it's Chris Olavi or Garrett Wilson ended up saying they're the, he, they're the, he's the best wide receiver they've ever played with.
1: And, and here's the other thing, because a lot of people will say, well, they're, they're just hyping up their guy to try to get him drafted higher. Both Alave and Garrett Wilson were quoted before Jackson Smith and Jigba even had his breakout year before those guys were even drafted as saying he is the I think Garrett Wilson's quote was he is the most natural athlete I've ever seen and he is the best wide receiver I've ever been on a field with Um, and by the way Garrett Wilson was a five star prospect Jackson Smith and Jigba is also a five star prospect but that was before they really even had their breakout seasons. Garrett Wilson was saying this. So, this guy is special, special. And if a team lets a one hamstring injury scare them off of taking the easily the most talented wide receiver in this draft class, shame on them. Forever shame on any team that allows that hamstring injury to get in the way of them getting the best wide. Because re- t- let me tell you, I don't care if Quinton, Quentin Johnson's hamstrings are made out of fucking steel. He's not going to be as good a receiver as Jackson Smith and Jake. Stay away from that jet fuel. Yeah, yeah. Keep him away from that. it will melt it.
0: Uh, Listen, I'm with you now. I I was just so hesitant because I'm like, man, I just don't know. I mean, his testing wasn't great. Then his testing started to creep up at his pro day. And I know that they have like a performance enhancing field turf down at (laughs) What I was told. You're
1: actually running on those moving sidewalks at the airport.
0: yeah. Apparently that's what the Ohio State uh field is made off of uh, the turf. Um but I just I I I think you really got to go look at the 2021 season. You just have to because it is a phenomenal phenomenal look at what a wide receiver what kind of wide receiver he is. I mean, he's a he's insane. And at the end of the day, at 11 he is the o- he's the only guy at 11 that's a wide receiver that I'm in on and oh, he's barely
1: yeah,
0: yeah he's he he barely in the physical department in height weight arms hands and wingspan he's just barely underneath the norm for the Tennessee Titans under John Robinson for Rand Carthons 49ers and what Les Sneed also looks for with the Rams but everything else, I mean, he's a he's you're talking about a guy that in 2021 he had a contested catch percentage of 90%. That's insane. He, he, yards per route <laughs> run, 4.01. Also he insane. Ran, he ran 4.26 yards per route run versus man cover. So this is versus press. Ugh. His yards after catch were 790 yards in 2021. That's a yards after catch per reception, and he forced 19 missed tackles. Now, let me put that into context real quick. Those yards after catch and those 19 missed tackles forced came behind the 10-yard line. His average depth of target was 9.3. So he was causing people to miss, forcing people to miss at a much harder, difficult place to do that. So, in my mind, and he's doing all this with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olavi still on, still with the team. In my mind, your clear number one is Jack Smith and Najigba. And really, it's a travesty if he even falls to 11 at this point, because you've seen what Justin Jefferson has done. You've seen what CD Lamb has done. You've seen what these guys have done in the past. And he is the clear, the clear. Number one wide receiver by a mile, in my opinion.
1: One hundred percent agree with you. I, and look, people keep saying, "Well, he was on the field with all this talent at Ohio State. He outperformed all the other talent. He was their leading receiver that year." It's not if teams were were sending players away from Jackson Smith and Jigba. To go help on Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they were making a huge mistake because they were leaving their best receiver wide open. And I'm also totally out on this whole idea that he can only play in the slot. Look, I'm this guy you. is six six one, almost two hundred pounds, very normal size receiver. He's not like one of these little you know mini guys out there that are that are littered he's throughout. The, he's draft the
0: route. legit same height as AJ Brown.
1: Yes, he is the exact same height as A.J. Brown. He's obviously not as thick as A.J. Brown, but he's about the same speed as A.J. Brown. He's much quicker than A.J. Brown from a, a in-and-out-of-your-break standpoint, from a three-cone and short-shuttle-time standpoint. He is elite. Um, this guy is not going to have a problem getting off press coverage. I don't know that you necessarily want him to play the X all the time, but guess what? You already have an X in Traylon Burks. You can play this guy at the Z. You could play him in the slot. The reason Ohio State put him in the slot is because it's easier to get your best player the ball when they're in the slot in college. It's just there's more room to operate. It's an easier throw. You're not asking your quarterback to throw outside the numbers all the time. It is easier to get the guys, get that guy the ball, which is exactly the same reason that AJ Brown played most of his slaps snaps in the slot in college. Why Justin Jefferson played almost all of his snaps in the slot in college. This, is, this guy is on the same level as them from a talent standpoint, in my opinion. And I, to me, is by far the best option at 11 at this point. And I, I, at one point, was toggling back and forth between him and Paris Johnson Jr., who I still love. I still love Paris Johnson Jr. But to me, I, the more I think about it, the more I think a wide receiver, you just have to have an elite one at this point. Especially, I mean, because it's going to make any quarterback look better. Um, and even if you have a young quarterback, if you have Ryan Tannehill, like whoever you have a quarterback, Jackson Smith and Jigbo will make them look a lot better They it will increase their performance. And we've seen Ryan Tannehill put together a top five, top 10 offense with really good receivers around him. Let's see if he can do that again. That, that's probably their best path forward to being really good again. Fast is either one. They hit on like a unicorn quarterback with Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever, or, or Anthony Richardson. Or they get really good receivers and put them back around Ryan Tannehill and kind of are able to recreate that cast that he had in 2020 and 2019, except with a good defense this time. And then that's the team that goes further. So to me, if you want to go for it this year, Jackson Smith and Jiggs was the pick, and it's not even close. Like, it is not even close to me. So I am all in. And as far as, like, comps, I know someone, uh, Josh Grantham in the, the chat was asking for comps. I think CD Lamb is a really good comp for him from a size standpoint, speed standpoint, you know, usage standpoint, all that stuff. But I've also I just see flashes of Justin Jefferson. And look, Justin Jefferson ran a little bit faster. I think he was like four four three or somewhere around there. I think in Jigba's official time from the pro day ended up being four four eight. So he's maybe not quite as fast, but from a body control standpoint. From a you know, in and out of his breaks quickness standpoint, from a contested catchability standpoint, I think he's all over Justin Jefferson on all of those categories. So whether uh, you know, five one hundredths of a second of of 40 time is worth, you know, that that much of a difference. I just don't believe it. I, I think forty time is the most overrated thing um, in the NFL. In most most cases, I mean, obviously they're fun to see when you see the the blazing fast times. Yeah, and I, stuff like I'm that, but
0: looking at it. I've been looking at the, a lot it, of data, like I've been saying, stacking the inbox.com for dollars a month. Ten yeah. yard split, twenty yard split's more important to me now yeah. than a forty yard. I agree with that,
1: and and look, I mean, it's not like he ran a disqualifying forty time either, right? Like four four eight is fine, even if you say it's on the high end of the ranges that were out there. That was four five two. That's fine. That's fine. Like AJ Brown ran four four nine. I mean, it, that is a perfectly fine time. We're talking about like like that's the difference. Between like those guys over forty yards of space. Like that. That's just not enough difference to material affect his ability to be an awesome receiver, which is what he is. He is an awesome wide receiver. He would immediately make this team better. And I would be so fired up about Jackson Smith and Jake, but you big are
0: big fired team. up, baby. I I'm So excited. I I am be
1: so excited too, because
0: it. like, if it's like, if you're not drafting up to quarterback, then like I said, JSN at number 11 is the clear. And listen, let me ask you something where would you be comfortable trading up to to secure JSN or like if you if you're getting the feeling mm-hmm. a little shaky that another NFL team is going to jump in front of you to take JSN cuz i think he's that good that a team maybe like at number 15 could trade up in front of you because it isn't that what um what they did for Chris Olave right i mean like someone yeah. traded up for for one of those wide receivers where in the in the NFL draft do you think is a good safe place where you're getting value and you're trading up for a wide receiver.
1: See I'm looking at I'm looking at the list here. So the I could see the I could see the Lions maybe being interested in I, I mean they're probably six. gonna go corner, right? They're probably gonna go corner. I you can't see that's the thing everybody top keeps top
0: saying they're gonna go corner and I'm thinking okay and then we're kind of getting well into a different they did topic here. Sign. Yeah, they signed they two of them they signed Emmanuel yeah. Mosley they signed um, um Gardner Johnson Johnson, Gerber-Dark. but they signed another one on top of that, didn't they? I think they signed um, three maybe.
1: actually, yeah, they might have. Um, uh, and they've who, still got uh, Okuda there who, you know right. I think he showed some progress last year. Yes. um, so you know, maybe I think that's probably the highest I could see him going would be six. Um, I don't know what it would cost to trade up to six, but i I might be tempted to do it if if they if Carthon had a credible hunch or, you know, information, that there was a team that was moving up to go get Jackson Smith and Jigba ahead of them. I would be comfortable with jumping up probably as, as high as six. I, I would, oh yeah. Yeah. And son's a good player too. So they, yeah, they basically signed a whole new starting corner set. So maybe they don't have to go get, uh, although I think most of those guys were one year deals too. Uh, if I remember correctly, I know Gardner Johnson was, um, I can't remember on that. I think Mosley was too, but either way, um, the Lions are kind of a wild card. I could see them going several different different ways there, but um Atlanta's not going to take a receiver, I don't think. Um, Chicago's probably not. No, no, taking I think you may.
0: Yeah, they probably Spilly's wouldn't.
1: Probably but, not.
0: But could you you see a scenario where Arthur Smith's like, well, there's no real value because they they solved a lot. They had a really good free agency. They did. Either yeah. way, I mean, I th- I think if you where are you okay what's the highest let's just say that what's the highest you'd go six i'd go up to six for him yeah i think i'd be right there with you i think you'd have to jump in front of some of those guys
1: that's where jamar chase went right right around six Six and it's like five i think but i I think i think jackson smith and Jacob was on that level as a prospect i I think he's he's right there you know that's the kind of player i think he is
0: okay so we're going we, we both agree trade up is number one for the guy, if you feel the conviction, trade up, not out of desperation, obviously, trade yeah. up or get j s n no matter what at number two, Yeah. um, and I think there's a big, wide gap between those two and what the next one I'm gonna talk about, and I' have been all on board about Paris jr or Paris Johnson jr being the best pick at number eleven, and now I'm like, okay, i'll be I'll be happy as long as Jason is off the board and the trade-up didn't work out, but it's kind of like you're, you're it sounds weird. Cause you're settling for a really high upside elite player, Yeah, but it feels very much like you're settling now at this point.
1: I mean, I do think I do think Paris Johnson jr. Would be is going to be a franchise left tackle for somebody. I, I think he's going to be a guy that you plug into the starting lineup for the next 10 to 15 years. And you're really happy with, with what you've got right there. So I would not feel bad about that by any means. I'd be happy about it. I wouldn't probably be as fired up as I would be about Jackson Smith and Jacobbot partially partially because, you know, hey, wide receivers are are a little bit more fun. um but i I do think it, that would be a sensible pick, um, especially if if you know some of the other options are off the board.
0: um do you is would that be your number three option as well?
1: I, you know. Part of me actually feels like if I was going to go tackle, I might want to trade down
0: a little. So bit. you like, see, my trade back is number four. So your trade back is probably number three. Yeah,
1: I'd, I'd probably rather trade down because even if that meant I missed on Paris Johnson Jr. and Skaronski, I'd be okay with landing a Broderick Jones or an Anton Harrison or or someone uh, you know of that ilk, uh, you know, in the middle part of the first round, especially if. And I don't know what it would take, how far back they'd have to move to get somebody else's 2024 first. But if I could get a 2024 first and move back, you know, 10 spots or so and still get, you know, like a Broderick Johnson or Anton Harrison, I'd feel pretty good about that, honestly, because then you do have, you know, your your what you would think would be your left tackle of the future on board. Um, you know, you could move Dillard to guard or or whatever. Um, but you've got a, a future there settled and you've got the the ammo to either have like another lottery ticket in case that team suffers an injury and bottoms out and maybe ends up with like a top 5 pick in in next year's draft or you've got trade capital that you could kind of trump other teams trying to trade up to get uh you know Caleb Williams or Drake May or Quinn Ewers or whoever it is that ends up being you know the kind of top quarterback that's attainable in next year's class, um so I think that would be. I think trade back would kind of be my third option at this point.
0: Yeah, I th- I think I I think I want to go for the sure thing. Like yeah. I think at that point, you know, my two big ones are kind of risky, right? Not really JSN and eleven, but if I'm gonna say I would trade up for JSN, that's pr- a pretty big risk. So yeah. and obviously trade up for a quarterback is. So I'm like, okay. If those are gone off the board, I'd rather have Paris Johnson Jr. than any other player, unless, yeah, I think I'm just gonna say it. Yeah, I think Paris Johnson Jr. better than any other player that would be available. That includes Christian Gonzalez, includes Joey Porter, includes Jalen Carter, includes all those guys, includes all except for Will Anderson, which I don't think is gonna be available. That includes everybody that you normally see in the top ten. I would rather have Paris Johnson Jr. And then I think I would like to trade back. If Paris Johnson Jr. is not there, and he's already been drafted, and Peter Skoronsky's there, I would rather trade back than draft Peter Skaronsky because I'm not drafting a guard at number 11. I would rather let someone else come up and draft him and then take the draft capital and build the build the team that way. Yeah. Because I am with you. Building the team through the draft seems to be the for-now strategy And the correct strategy, if I'm not – if if I am to be so bold as to say that I really like the late day two, day three picks more than, like, the day one picks as far as – From value. From the value standpoint. I just really love them.
1: And I will say, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. As far as the state of the roster and how many, like, really 25 and under – cornerstone pieces this team has right now it's it's super low like it might be one like (laughs) like Jeffrey Simmons and that's it um they need to like really get a infusion of young talent and this season I kind of feel like you know the way they've approached free agency I think they kind of know that this season is kind of a reset year for them and to me like if you could just get a bunch of young guys in get them some playing time get them some opportunity let them grow and then be ready with like a war chest of cap space and some more picks in 2024 to really like throw some gasoline on this this build i think that's kind of a not a bad play honestly for where they are because i i still even even though like I, the Jackson Smith and Jigba thing kind of gets me fired up for like the 2019 2020 Titans offense coming back a little bit. I mean, I could see it. I could see them being very competitive if they were to to manage to land him, and he is everything that I think he is. Um, I still think they're probably not. It's not a Super Bowl team, right? Like it's they're not one player away from being a Super Bowl team, right? Now. Right. Um, so I think even if they're competitive. You're still playing to like continue your build into 2024. Like this is a ground laying uh, season off season for Rand Carthon, and I, I think it's it's setting them up for future success more than it is for immediate like day one returns. Even though they could be better this year, we'll see.
0: Okay, we so we agree. We agree on pretty much everything. Is there another scenario you want to throw out here that you're high high on? Because if there's not, I got, I do have a subject for you that one time.
1: Um, there's probably not another scenario that I'm super high on. I, I, I want to. They need to get an offensive piece. Like that. That's really what it comes down to.
0: What do you say to the people? I don't know if they're in your mentions, like a, they are in mine, saying this. But when I throw up a mock draft, which is, you know, and I say obviously it's 100 percent accurate, all the players are going to be there. Blah blah blah. You know. Yeah. You know. Of course. But I trade up for Anthony Richardson. I trade away three first-round picks only. Uh, You can trade away just two first-round picks for Anthony Richardson this year's and next year's in the PFF draft simulator, but I don't think that's very realistic. That'd be great, but I don't think it's very realistic. So I do that. The the
1: realistic path is the 49ers move. At
0: least three. Yeah. Yeah, We know... There's two things about that that I want to want to harp on real quick, and I wish I would have fucking did this at the beginning of the show. I may clip this up. So here's what we're going to do. When I do that, people say, there's no way Rand Carthon would ever do that. Rand Carthon, first off, has been a part <laughs> of two regimes that have traded up for quarterbacks. They He was there when they traded up for Jared Goff. He was there when they traded up for Trey Lance varying degrees of success, but he's been there for both. There's a good chance that all this smoke surrounding trade-ups is true. That is followed up with if he trades for Anthony Richardson, he might as well pack up his office now. What do you think about that? Those little, Those two statements?
1: It's crazy. I mean, I guarantee you. I guarantee you there were Bills fans saying that about you know, trading up to draft Josh Allen. And I mean, the funny thing is, I, I think actually the Bills social media did a a thing on it uh, a couple of years ago, maybe when, when Josh Allen just started to break out. They they had Josh Allen read some of the mean tweets that people replied to the Bills official account selection, like when they announced the selection of Josh Allen and like the tweets on like it, it is still a treasure trove. Like if you go back and you could find that tweet, it is a treasure trove of horrendously cold takes uh, from bills fans who were like, I'm selling my season tickets. I'm done. This franchise is never going to be good. Um, and like Josh Allen still hasn't won a Super Bowl or really anything significant. So we'll, we'll see if he gets there, but he's turned out to be really good as a quarterback. Right. So um, I think people, people always overestimate how much they really know um, and what the future is going to hold for these guys. And we're we're still talking about, and especially in Richardson's case, talking about a guy that's what, 20, Right now, um, he's not even 21 years old. He's not even old enough to go to Bluegrass Beverages and, and buy anything. Um, and we're already saying we know what his whole future is as a professional athlete. I mean, the guy. He turns 21 in
0: May, by the way. Okay, yeah.
1: You. So, it's coming up. Coming up. Maybe when he comes to visit the Titans, he can go by there. Um, but he is a, a, a work in progress. No doubt about that. But he is also a freakish athlete. And I posted the tweet about the uh, the previous, you know, RAS guy, quarterbacks that had reached four uh, – or it reached the, like, perfect 10.0 plateau. And it was Vinny Testaverde. Um, it was Dante Culpepper. It was uh, – God, I'm blanking on who the other one was. Was it Cam Newton?
0: Yeah, it's Cam Newton. I was about Cam, to say. Cam, Cam Newton.
1: Newton. And then uh, a guy named uh, – was it Brooke um, – brook bollinger i might be screwing his name up but uh a nebraska quarterback who tragically died in a plane crash before the draft so three out of the three that actually you know got to experience their nfl career all ended up being pro bowl level players so that's not to say that anthony richardson for sure is going to be a pro bowl level player but he has a special special skill set and i think if you i think you can build an offense around him right like Think about what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, and not to say that this is the only way you could do it with Richardson, but the Ravens took Lamar Jackson at the very end of the first round, And they when they got him, they had a good plan in place to use his skill set, let him come along as a passer and use his special skill set as a runner to wreak havoc on the NFL. And it worked tremendously. and I think that you could do that with Richardson. Like you, he's such a special athlete that there has got to be a way to use him effectively to create a problematic offenses for defense to for defenses to have to handle. And whether that means he's like Patrick Mahomes, uh, I, maybe he's never Patrick Mahomes. I don't know, but I, I think you could build something really special with him because of how freakish he is as an athlete and the fact that he does have some quarterback skill set like right he is he is not as just raw and, and undeveloped as some people make him out to be as a as a quarterback like from a processing standpoint from a feeling his way through a pocket standpoint like there are I think he's the people that drive me really crazy honestly and the mentions about Richardson are that he's just Malik Willis 2.0 which is just so misguided on so many levels um Richardson is a way better athlete than Malik Willis, way better, better at quarterback, playing in, quarterback in every way than Malik Willis was coming out of Liberty. So, but I, I think people are selling him way short of what he actually is now. Like, is he, he's UT I fans? Definitely, I mean, it's well, definitely well, that's, UT that's part fan. of it too. It's, I mean, and like, it's funny. Cause the, we get all those, these fan bases and our mentions because you know, the Titans have a lot of these fan bases intermixed with the Titans fans. But it's so funny that I mean the Hinden Hooker love, and then you know you, you get like any time I tweet about Will Levis, I get some Kentucky fans coming into my mentions talking about how much I. Well, I get called, called
0: a UT fan for yeah, yeah. well, this guy's a UT fan just because I'm a Tennessee Titans fan really? And I'm like, no, bro. I mean, I guess you don't listen to the podcast, but I am the yeah. furthest thing from a UT fan. I'm a I'm an avid. Ut hater. Yes, I did respect them this this past football season because I thought they were going to be pretty good. But I'm an objective observer of the other SEC teams outside of Auburn, who will always be trash and <laughs> and, and a heap of pile of garbage. I got one last thing I want to say about what's been in my mentions. This has also driven me insane. How how can you draft a quarterback a trade up for a quarterback? you'll never be able to fix the offensive line if you trade away all those first-round picks. What? What? They have 100 and something million dollars next year. If they need to really desperately fix the offensive line, which I will say this. I'm going to go out on a limb. However this offensive line looks, outside of injuries, if the starting five is Andre Dillard, plus a rookie, and you can flip him around however you want to, Aaron Brewer, Daniel Brunskill, and Nicholas Petit-Ferrer is your starting five, that is a better starting five than almost every game they had last year. Every game except for the first one, right? <laughs> every game except for the first one. And it may end up being better than the first one. We, we, we don't know. But, I mean, like, if I'm projecting it, I'm just going to say everyone but the first one. However, this the, trading away the three first-round picks, they have f- fixed the offensive line. For the most part, whether they believe in Jamarco they believe they fixed enough of the offensive line.
1: Yeah. I think if you were
0: skeptical, that's fine.
1: I think they feel better. I think they feel like Andre Dillard is gonna be a guy. And I I think that's we'll see. Yeah. But I think they feel like that.
0: But you that first round pick this year doesn't have to be offensive line. We've already talked about that numerous times on this podcast. Next year, guess what? It still doesn't have to be offensive line. Like, quit pigeonholing the teams and their choices in the draft. It's not the only way to fix the offensive line. And, in fact, probably the best way is to find younger guys in free agency they can maybe slightly pay a little bit more. But next year, they can, they can solve a lot of issues next year if they forego those issues in the draft. And there's still quality guys out there in free agency. There's still Dalton Risner still out there. I mean, there's other guys.
1: Yeah, and I I would also add that if the if the quarterback is the guy, like if if you get the quarterback and he turns out to be the guy that you thought he was that you moved up to get the the franchise quarterback, you're never going to worry about those picks that you gave up because look, I mean, when the Bengals went and got Joe Burrow. What did their offensive line look like? What did their what is their you know, offensive line still look, look like? like? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter because they got the guy, and that that is all that matters. The same goes for Josh Allen. Like, look, look at those Bills teams when Josh Allen landed there and even his first couple of years and whatnot before they got digs and and kind of rebuilt that line. Um They were awful, and the same goes for Justin Herbert with the Chargers. I mean, yeah, they had Keenan Allen and and Mike Williams, but they had a terrible offensive line, like one of the worst in the league. Uh, So spare me this idea that, like, you have to wait until the team is perfect to draft your quarterback, otherwise you're going to ruin them. That's just not true. It's just not, and history (laughs) has proven it time and time again that if you go get the guy and the guy is the guy, then it doesn't matter how bad the team is around him
0: josh allen's second year can you tell me his leading receiver with a thousand and sixty yards i know the, the
1: leading his receiver second year okay uh no okay so the year before he got there the leading receiver was charles clay i remember that with like 500 something yards it was pitiful <laughs> um so it would have had to been what year was that 20 20- 2019 2019
0: I'll give you the first uh, one too when it comes up. Is it um who was on the bills?
1: <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> what a fucking look. Okay. okay. Here's blank.
0: what here's what Josh Allen had his rookie season. Zay Jones. This is his rookie uh, year 2018. I was about to is say it, that. It's not 2019, okay. This is 2018. Okay. Zay Jones, 652 yards. Robert, Robert Foster, 541 yards, and no. Kelvin Benjamin. 354 (laughs) yards were his top three receiving yards. Top three receiving yards were those three guys. His rookie year, okay? Now you go into his second year, and you know what they did? Absolutely fucking nothing, it feels like. Because here's their guys. John Brown was the the leading receiver with 1,060 yards. John fucking Brown, former Raven and uh, deep ball threat. Then it's Cole Beasley with 778. Okay, so 778. Then it goes all the way down to 388 yards. So the, leading, the third leading receiver was Dawson Knox with 388 receiving yards. Yeah. First two years. I know the people are down the Titans pass catchers, but I have to think that in year two of Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, it's going to be better than that.
1: Yeah, I would have to say, I would have to say, yeah. And it, it is, it has been proven. I think at this point that you're not going to break a quarterback by having a bad, at least not a good quarterback. I just don't, at least not one that's got any sort of mental toughness at all to them. Um, Because I, I, we've seen too many guys dumped into bad situations that have pulled the team out of a bad situation. It doesn't have to be perfect. It, don't, don't spend your whole time trying to get your offense. Perfect minus the quarterback before yeah, you, by the time you get more.
0: it perfect and healthy. Guess what? People are going to be leaving in free agency. Yeah.
1: They're all going <laughs> to get will. expensive. You won't be able to afford them like the whole, the whole nine yards. So, um, yeah.
0: get and, the guy that can make everyone around him better. Is that Anthony Richardson? We'll see. Yeah. But if they feel that it's Anthony Richardson, then that should give you a lot of faith. Right. And, and
1: also, I I really don't think that it's cut and dry that it's it's one hundred percent just going to be Stroud, Young in some order one two. I, I just don't like. Peter I'm King even floated the idea that the Texans could go defense. We floated that like, out
0: on our podcast before. The I mean, yeah. You know, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you betrayed me in your <laughs> article. I literally I, am the first one that tweeted out the move the stake, move the sticks, draft uh, pick trade up. And then everybody, like five days later, Buck writes an article, which is like, it's a, it's a good article if you want to scroll all the way to the bottom. After he regurgitates what Daniel Jeremiah said, <laughs> regurgitates some stats, and then at the very bottom, which is something that everybody's missing, yeah, he says we have confirmed through our own our own sources that they have inquired about trading up, but you don't get that. And so you have to go through like 10 fucking paragraphs of bullshit. And that, nobody wants to give me credit. That was the first one I did. I, said, well, I, 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 actually, really I actually was trying to give you credit. I went to
1: your your page. I scrolled all the way down. I could we not were literally texting anywhere.
0: yesterday. If you would have said, hey, what is already tweet?
1: I had already written it before ah, then. I had already whatever. written it before. What
0: whatever. Was, it's not like you don't have my cell phone number. But anyway, nah. the... I don't know where I was going. Oh, because uh, we were talking about uh, the, the Texans not poss- taking it, and I yeah. have said on numerous shows that I kind of get the feeling that they may not, and I really don't think the Colts will. Uh, but we'll we'll see. But I think there is a better than average possibility, like you're saying, that the Texans may not draft a quarterback.
1: Yeah, or or they might not draft the quarterback we think they're going to draft. Like
0: I think they're going to trade out of the pick.
1: I think both these teams are kind of, I mean, they could go multiple different ways. I, I just don't see it as, you know, 100% stamped today that it's Stroud and Young 1-2 in some order. I, I just, yeah, I, I'm not buying that right now.
0: All right, that will do it for us. I know there's a couple of different questions uh, uh, from Woodrun the Pootie and Jason McDonald. Uh, we did talk about some of your questions, answer those questions earlier in the show. So make sure to just kind of like, Go back to where you joined, and then you can just cut it off then. But we did talk and answer those questions that you guys have in the chat already. Um, So just go back and listen to that. This has been Football and Other Efforts. Bluegrass has presented this, Mike. We are presented by Bluegrass Beverages. Hendersonville, been around since the 70s, Join the in crowd, get the latest information on new uh, products, uh, special limited edition products. And listen, better join the in crowd. Because I know of an awesome, very awesome giveaway that is coming up soon for two listeners. Hopefully we get to choose one of the listeners on this show and maybe a football show gets the other one since we're sponsored by the parent company of Sinkers and Bluegrass. Make sure you got those notifications on. Make sure you're tuning in to every episode of both of those because at that point, there's two lucky people are going to get a pretty fucking awesome prize. And it's awesome. I'm not even joking. I don't know when it's going to happen. I think it's happened in June or July. But you need to go ahead and get in the habit of listening to these shows and doing it now. And you need to get in the habit of joining the in-crowd, going to Bluegrass, because maybe, just maybe, a requirement is you have to join the in-crowd. So join the in-crowd, Bluegrass Beverages, Sinkers in Nashville, doesn't matter which, it works at both. Go there and then go get you some liquor. Have some fun this weekend. Get you some liquor. Mike Herndon, he wrote a great article over at paulkarski.com about the trade up at Mike Herndon NFL on Twitter. I'm Zach Lyons at F Pod, football and other F Words. And you have just been f